Hello, and welcome to Legal Management Talk, the official podcast of the Association of Legal Administrators. I'm your host, Justin Askenazy. So our guest today is Amy Kosi, who uh, has over 25 years of legal technology experience, and she's currently an account executive with Innovative Computing Systems, which uh, focuses on the technology needs of law firms. And uh, she's here to talk to us today about a very important topic, which is cybersecurity and the cloud. Um, so first of all, Amy, uh, thanks for joining us. Glad you could be here. Sure. Thank you for inviting me. So I, the first uh, question I have, so I think I speak for a lot of people when I say that you know, I feel like technology is really advancing faster and faster with each passing year, and it's really hard to keep up. Um, and, you know, I think one of those things is everything about the cloud. Um, you know, I know that even nowadays, I'm still, has it, you hear a lot, uh, you know, back up your, your save your files to the cloud, back up your phone to the cloud, all that. And even nowadays, I'm still like, I want to, I feel like it's safer to back up to my computer instead of the cloud. Um, but that's probably just because I don't have a good enough understanding of what the cloud is. So if you could kind of, you know, explain what what's the cloud and kind of how that's impacting uh, firms today. Sure, absolutely. So it has been something that's been kind of bubbling up over the last decade or better. Uh, firms traditionally were, you know, capital expenditures of hardware, bringing it into the office and then protecting it with backups. Then we kind of got into the redundant disaster recovery backups, moving it off site, which then became putting data in the cloud. And then the advent of Office 365 came along from Microsoft and firms started putting their email systems in the cloud. So they've been they've been moving in baby steps. But what we've been seeing in the most recent uh, years is they're really adjusting to moving everything that they have on premise in their office, servers, network infrastructure, all the way into a cloud uh, location such as Amazon, Azure, those big uh, powerhouses, because they do have a lot better security than they could potentially afford to secure their on-premise infrastructure. So it is an educational process of talking to firms and having them understand the security of the cloud, as well as getting them to adjust to no longer having to do a big capital expenditure anymore, but kind of look at IT and operating costs as an operating expense, uh, because when you do move to the cloud, you will be spending money monthly uh, to put your data, applications, desktops, everything in the cloud is now an operating expense. And we're seeing about, in recent years, approximately 50% of our clients are adopting it. it in 10 years ago, it was a much smaller number. Uh, so it is rapidly increasing and the trust level is definitely raising and the education and understanding and awareness is also uh, coming into play. And so a lot more firms are feeling comfortable with that. Right. Um, I wanna hit on the, the security benefit of the cloud and um, you know exactly how that, how that works to offer more, you know, and cybersecurity is so important nowadays, um, you know, how can firms feel more comfortable with all their data in the cloud as opposed to storing it all on site? Keeping it in the office. Yeah, it's a question we commonly get. We hear it often, particularly from 
shareholders, partners in our law practices, uh, because today it's not just about errors and emissions insurance policies anymore. It's about cyber insurance policies and education and awareness surrounding uh, cyber has become really key because we all hear in the headlines how major companies are getting hacked. Our data that we have personally is getting hacked. So it is something that, uh, that the, the partners and shareholders do have concern about. That's why typically a managed service provider would look to a larger uh, cloud vendor such as Amazon or Microsoft Azure to uh, protect you know, their clients' data. And what most managed service providers do is they also put more protection within their equipment in that environment. So not only is the vendor that is hosting your equipment putting security in place, but also your provider should be putting security in place. And that includes endpoint protection and very sophisticated endpoint protection. It's more than antivirus today. It has to be behavior-based anti, uh, you know, endpoint protection. And also multi-factor authentication is keen. Anything, anything that's outside of your purview of control needs to have multi factor authentication. And you'll find if you are getting cyber insurance policies that they'll send questionnaires and they'll ask these questions uh, of the firm to make sure that you do have these sophisticated uh, mechanisms uh, for protecting your environment, for making sure that no one can hack passwords because passwords get compromised on a daily basis. Um, and then also, you know, taking it to the next level, we have firms that are more keen or have to be uh, more keen on security because of the type of work that they do or the clientele that they have, HIPAA, you know, uh, all those types of requirements um, that they may have to meet for their client audits. They may have to go a step further and have regular vulnerability scanning of their environment, penetration testing done on, on an annual basis. A lot of our firms will do disaster recovery testing to make sure that they can recoup all of their data in the event of a disaster. So you can really take it to the next level of uh, making sure that you are constantly monitoring that environment for any exploits and potential areas that need to be patched you know, or fixed. So it's an ongoing and it's ever-changing. Vulnerability scanning is an ever-changing environment. We could be running those scans every month and exploits and vulnerabilities come up all the time with hardware, with software. It's really become tricky to stay on top of. Right. And I know something else that goes hand in hand with uh, security is uh, when you talk about security, you also have to talk about work from anywhere and remote work, hybrid work and everything that's that's been adopted in the last few years. So, um, you know, with, with regard to the cloud, uh, how, how does that um, enhance the ability for, uh, for everyone at a firm to, to work from home, you know, set number of days right. a week or however firms are planning their, their weeks out? Right. Now you hit on a really good point. More and more firms today, uh, you know, coming out of the post-COVID era are working hybrid. There's very few firms that are working 100% capacity uh, these days. They tend to um, have either enjoyed the fact that they can work more hybrid rather than being in the office five days a week, or it is, uh, it's much more convenient and they feel safer uh, not having a full capacity office anymore. So, uh, we're seeing a big trend in that area. And with that comes the, you know, the advent of remote connectivity. If you're still an on-premise traditional firm, you have those users at home that have to have, you know, 
good internet to remote in to your equipment in the office. That equipment in the office has to be running and it has to have the capability to handle the workload of people coming in remote. So that's always been a challenge of remote access. And so moving to the cloud has actually eased that pain because in most environments today, you can put not just shared workload of, of sharing a server when you're remoting in, you're now working on your own individual cloud desktop. And your own individual cloud desktop is yours. Nobody else is using it. No other services are running on it. So when you're doing something that has to do with your work product, it's yours, you're connecting to it, and then you connect into your server farm in the cloud for your firm. Uh, it has given firms the ability to work from anywhere um, because the amount of data streaming is quite thin to go to those cloud desktops, you don't have to have super fast, high speed, you know, connectivity to the internet. You could potentially work on Wi-Fi. Uh, most of our users do work on Wi-Fi at home and they can work in a coffee shop or potentially in an airport if you have decent service. Um, so it does give them more flexibility and reliability to work to those cloud desktops. Whereas the old remote connectivity back into the office was always, you know, dependent upon is that office server up and running? Is this is the office potentially uh, compromised or have an outage? Uh, we deal with a lot of firms on the West Coast that have rolling power outages during fire season. And oftentimes their buildings will have the power shut down, which means all those servers that they connect to are now shut down and they can't remote in. When you go more to the cloud with the big you know, vendors, uh, you don't have those problems. If they have regional problems, they will move, they will you know, get the data moved to a different region, Northern California to Oregon to Virginia. They can bounce around the country and the world uh, so that you never have to worry about a particular outage in a location of where your equipment is. So definitely more reliable, more stable, and it does give firms that flexibility to work hybrid and not have to worry about how everything's running in the office anymore. Uh, I don't want to... Uh you know, tout all the benefits of the cloud without also acknowledging some of the risks because, you know, as with any technology, there's there's always vulnerabilities and, and risks associated with it. And, um, you know, I know we touched on a little bit, but uh, could you explain some more of kind of what the risks are of, of being in the cloud and, uh, and you know, how firms can best, best prevent, sure. prevent those, combat those? Yeah, well, it a lot of times in the traditional past, firms would build an infrastructure in their office, get it built, CapEx, you know, the expenditure of it and just maintain it. And they would forget about it. And they had storage, large storage devices, and they would just forget about it. You really can't do that with the cloud. It's not a one and done type of deal. Um, when you move things to the cloud because of the capabilities of all the external forces uh, being able to access it, which they can do on-prem as well, um, you have to continually be uh, looking towards maintenance. You have to do all of your patching correctly. Um, um, all of your uh, security needs to be maintained for your endpoint protection. Uh, the obviously the multi-factor, you know, no sharing of passwords, changing passwords in a regular cadence, uh, those types of things. And also, we're finding that security training is really becoming a critical uh, part of law firms' operations. You just can't say, okay, we change our passwords once or twice a year. We've got endpoint protection. We've got multi-factor. We're good. You've got to be uh, making your employees aware of how exploits and vulnerabilities can come into them as the end user 
they can actually be the vulnerability. Uh, phishing attempts is the largest uh, number. It's the largest way in which a lot of the bad actors get into um, your firm. And that's because the end user became clickbait. And so if they don't have security awareness training on a regular cadence and understand that they could be the vulnerability, we can build an entire you know, protection on the hardware and the operating system. But if the end user does something that can compromise the environment, you know, that's, that's a critical piece. So we're finding now that that's becoming more of something we need to educate and make firms aware of. A lot of the large firms have already deployed and are aware of it. Um, the struggle is coming down market into the smaller firms. Uh, there's a lot of companies out there that offer, you know, this type of training on an ongoing basis. It's it's basically you do it at your desk. It doesn't require any formal classroom or anything like that. It's all online. It's very easy to do and you can test your users on a regular basis. You can conduct fish testing, see if anybody is clicking on those links. And if they are, make sure that they go through training and that they're talked to by somebody in the company. So you have to have those policies in place to protect your environment. Your managed service provider can only go so far with the protection, but the end user does become the vulnerability. So when I talk to clients, it definitely is a conversation of this is ongoing. It's not a one and done type of deal. You don't just train your users once because these exploits change all the time. You know, this year is phishing. Next year could be something else. So we have to stay on top of it. Um, and you you mentioned uh, just a second ago the, the difference in, in firm sizes. And that uh, leads me to the next thing I want to talk about, which is... Um, you know, how do you, as a as a midsize or smaller firm with not as much of the resources as larger firms have, how how do you make this transition um, to the cloud, or you know, keeping up with the uh, sure. security needs? Um, you know, what are kind of the advantages and disadvantages for small firms versus large? Sure. So for smaller firms, I think the biggest um, pain point that they would experience is is taking the investment to move to the cloud because the migration of your environment to the cloud is a big first step and it's usually a, a big expense. Um, but after that, it's it's you don't have to worry about those capital expense, expenditure cycles every five to seven years. It used to be we could change our equipment out in a seven-year cycle. It's now less than five. So most firms are finding that they're doing that cycle way more frequently. Once you invest in that migration to the cloud, there is no cycle of equipment costs anymore. So that puts all firms, large and small, on an equal playing field. And honestly, the smaller firms, their ongoing operating cost in the cloud is going to be less than a larger firm because a larger firm probably has more infrastructure uh, in the cloud to maintain. And so it's going to more equipment that they're taking up. So it's going to cost them a lot more. Data sizing is important as well. Smaller firms tend not to have large data stores. Uh, bigger firms do. You pay for that data sizing in the cloud. So uh, I think the smaller mid-sized firms do have an advantage once they get to the cloud. It's just getting them to understand how we get there and the cost of doing so. Um, and then once everyone's there, it, it, it actually becomes an equal playing field. And it makes small and mid-sized firms more competitive with the larger firms. Plus the fact that a lot of the software vendors today are, are trending towards coming out with their own cloud-hosted applications. And that makes it even more uh, fair because large firms and small and mid-sized firms are having to buy those same subscriptions for that application. 
and it's basically on a per seat or per user license and it's hosted by the vendor. So the more of our traditional software vendors in the legal industry start moving their applications to the cloud, it's going to be a lot more equal playing field because you don't have to buy perpetual licensing anymore, install it on your own hardware, manage that hardware, that operating system, upgrade that operating system on a regular cadence. That maintenance goes out the window. And so everybody's relying on the vendors now to host that and manage all that for them, which has really made it another more advantageous for small to mid-sized firms to be in the cloud. And if you're uh, thinking about making the transition to the cloud, what, uh, how, and with all these kinds of choices of of service providers, how do you go about trying to choose uh, the best one for your firm? And that's a great question because I think a lot of firms tend to just look at costs and you can't just focus on that, that one thing. Um, there's a lot. It's an apples and orange scenario. There are some vendors out there that will promote cloud solutions and their cloud solutions that they control, they host, they own, which means if you part ways with that particular service provider, basically they're going to hand you your data and tell you to move somewhere else. There's nothing about that cloud infrastructure that you can take with you. There are other vendors out there that are more open with their environment, meaning that they'll move you to the cloud. You are the owner as the firm of that cloud environment. It's under your firm name. If you part ways with the vendor, the vendor just hands over the keys and says, okay, somebody else takes over the billing or you put it on a firm credit card. It's still your environment. You're just now going to be directly responsible for it rather than having the intermediary managed service provider manage it for you. Um, So you have to be very careful of how your vendor is setting you up. So you want to make sure you ask those questions early uh, as to how the environment's set up, who has control and ownership of the environment if the firm decides to part ways how does that look what what happens what do we get to keep what do you as the vendor get to keep those are very crucial questions that you need to ask up front because you don't want that surprise to say oh wow this is a great looking cheap solution let's go there and then four or five years down the road you want to part ways and you're now back to square one where you have to do it all over again. So be very, very cautious of that. And you also wanna make sure your vendor has the experience in the cloud, particularly experience in the legal market, because a lot of the applications um, that are historically been long-term legal market applications aren't quite that simple (laughs) to put in the cloud. So you want somebody with experience with some of those. So make sure your vendor knows, uh, you know, what applications you've got and how they've dealt with them and and if it's going to be doable or not. So there's a lot of questions to ask just beyond price, right? So don't get stuck in the price silo. Right. Um, And then lastly, uh, regular viewers of the podcast know I always like to try to uh, look to the future at the the end of our episodes. And uh, um, so... What should, uh, you know, with technology moving so fast every day, um, what should administrators be looking at now in order to be ahead of the curve uh, technology-wise going forward? Sure. Uh, That's a very open question. But I I think for most of the law firms, law firms traditionally um, have used very stable, long-term market solutions. And because they have a lot of long-term market solutions, some of those solutions are uh, becoming a little um, latent in keeping up to date with technology. 
i.e. they're not moving their product to a cloud-based solution. So oftentimes firms will have to, from a future perspective, always be looking at the applications that they're using, the application requirements that may be changing within the firm. I tell administrators all the time, make sure you're having open discussions with your end users as to their, you know, their needs. Because just because you have a set of solutions in the office today that they're working with, it might not be what they really need. They may need something different or something new. And so it's it's always a good conversation to be having with your legal assistants, your secretaries, your attorneys to see where things are falling short as far as the, the solutions that the firm is using. So a lot of it is keeping an eye on your applications and where those applications are going and what applications are out there um, that can solve your problems. And so you know, you just don't buy an accounting system and keep it for 30 years anymore. <laughs> That's what they used to do, but it's just, you know, it's not really uh, conducive to, you know, staying current because a lot of times those applications, if you just keep them, can bring in a lot of security problems. Um, and so you just want to be sure that you're always taking care of your end users and what their needs are and looking at applications. What we're typically seeing from a future perspective is the vendors are getting wise to that and they are offering and there's new vendors popping up every day offering cloud hosted solutions. So what we're seeing now as a, as a firm of the future is if a firm was opening their doors today, they typically would not buy a perpetual licensed on-prem solution they would buy a cloud solution. So a brand new firm today will usually have applications that are all hosted. And now all they need is a network domain and some desktops and they're good to go. We need no servers in-house anymore, no backup in-house anymore, nothing in-house to protect anymore. So we're looking more towards the future of just having maybe using more of the Microsoft Azure tools that are being offered uh, for the, the you know, the network domain, the security, uh, and then all they really need is just something to manage their Zoom meetings. Um, and so it, that's what we're seeing as the trend for anybody starting up today. So that's really where the future of law is going, is, is those applications going more cloud-based. Gotcha. Uh, well, uh, thanks again for, for being here, Amy. I know I learned a whole lot about the cloud today, and, uh, and I hope a lot of other people did as well. So Absolutely. thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thanks to our uh, viewers and subscribers for tuning in. You can always catch us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts if you want to listen to more. And as always, you can learn more about ALA at alanet.org. Until next time.